Hi, before we get started today, a quick announcement. The second annual Canadian Advisor Tech Expo is being put on by the Financial Planning Association of Canada this year on March 14th to 17th. If you are a Canadian financial advisor or in management or an executive or just interested in what advisor technology is out there, I highly recommend you sign up. Tickets are on sale at advisortechexpo.ca. And now on to today's show. Hello, welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today I show you have Shep Hickey, founder and CEO of Brazos. Brazos is an online steel marketplace. Now you're probably asking yourself why I have a steel marketplace on the podcast about fintech. Well, simply marketplaces are financial solutions. But further than that, he's also incorporated financial or fintech solutions into the platform itself. And I thought this was a wonderful example of finance basically reaching out and touching all forms of different industries out there. So with that, here's my interview with Shep. Shep, thanks for taking the time today. Thank you for having me. So Shep Hickey of Brazos. Tell us about Brizos. Well, Brizos is what you just described, which is an online steel marketplace that has fintech features that allow a buyer and a seller to go all the way, what they call it, uh, basically procure to pay, meaning that all the way from pricing discovery or announcing what you're trying to buy, all the way through to getting a seller paid and a buyer being invoiced. And uh so it's fintech enabled, and we have buy now, pay later, and a lot of sort of the creature comforts that traditional uh, transactional parties are used to. Perfect. So we'll dive into that entire kind of value chain in a moment. But talk to me first and foremost about the origin of Brazos. What led to the creation of it? What was the original problem you were trying to solve? Yeah. So the origin really was a response to my time in the industry. So I come out of uh, steel distribution and. I spent time in uh, stock purchasing. I spent time in what we would call buyout or spot buy purchasing, which is salesperson would sell something, knowing full well we don't have it in stock, and I'd have to turn around and source it, bring it in. And a lot of industry is done that way, where the salesman sells it and you just go quickly find it. And so Brizo's, it's sort of, its absolute origin is really about creating a solution for that daily grind of sourcing, bringing in and getting it down the road. Because I found that day to day, I was trying to source basically the same stuff. And as a human, because you're working very quickly to get these things taken care of, you're always making this compromise between time, cost and quality, right? And uh there's nothing a buyer really dislikes more than having to find a new vendor. So I was like, well, maybe our companies could do better if uh, there was just a really easy way to have sort of this unlimited network of sellers. Everybody's going to win. So that's sort of the origin of it. But the reason it's called Brizos is because I don't believe in the end that this is just a steel platform. I think this is an industrial goods trading platform. So begin with the end in mind, right? It's not steel mart for a reason. I believe that it lends itself to, to all types of products. Excellent. Don't pay yourself into a corner with a name. Good move. All right. So bottom line is you felt pain in existing market and saw that there was transactions being facilitated and said, hey, okay, there's got to be a better way. In addition to there being a better way, there's got to be ways that you can kind of essentially facilitate the entire value chain of delivery. Is that about right? Yeah, I think that it's it's a mixture of, like, I mean, better way is, is, is sort of right, but sort of not mean that but the spirit of what you're saying is correct. But the buy-sell process has been honed really, really well over time. But the question is, with the available technology today, the question is, is there not a more efficient way to do this? 
Exactly. Well, there is, honestly. So let's talk about the entire kind of experience. So start to finish, I first off, who are your customers here? I mean, you got both sides of the marketplace. You have and for, for industrial steel. So let's talk about, to, you're talking to people here who typically don't have much exposure to this industry. Who's looking to buy? Who's looking to sell? Yeah, on average, you kind of have, on the sell side, you've either got either a mill, like someone who's making the material, like a pipe, a beam, or you have a, a distributor, somebody who's, I guess, call them the second link in the uh, supply chain, right? So you've got the mill, the distributor. So they sort of are primarily on the sell side. On the buy side, you also have distribution because they have an offline customer that needs something. So they're trying to buy it out. But really, it's going to be what I'm going to loosely call an end user, somebody who's making something or you know fabricating something they need. It could be somebody who's building skyscraper. It could be somebody who's repairing a golf cart in their garage and just needs a couple feet of steel. I mean, the, the Brizos doesn't care if it's a foot or if it's you know a few miles of pipe. It's, it's really the mechanics remain unchanged. So so far, I sort of keep track of this because it's interesting. I think we've touched every part, possible participant in this supply of steel. I mean, a mill, a distributor, a broker, another distributor, an end user. And then we also see on the kind of the more surplus extra steel side, we see end users turn around and then list their extra steel for sale because we have two channels. One is seller listings, which you're probably familiar with. Like you go to Amazon, you're looking through all the listings, right? But really the, the workhorse of what we're doing, which is designed to be a digital analog of a traditional process is that buyers come in, they create a bill of material, it gets sent out to the sellers, the sellers will quote it, and a deal will be created. So it's really the buyers creating the demand. Okay, so pretty much straight, pretty straightforward in that you have you have supply, you have vendors, you have people who can acquire it. Besides giving them a place to list their stuff, talk to me about how you facilitate the exchange. Um, the exchange of goods or, or money? Well, money for sure, but let's let's uh, let's also talk about whatever involvement, if any, you have in the good side. Okay, so on the good side, what we're really doing is, so I was the CEO of, of the distribution company before I started this, and the majority, I mean, like eighty percent of the issues that we had were human error. I mean, I spent the majority of my time sweeping up behind us because somebody had transcribed something from one piece of paper to the next, and it was a a little error. And it's just the ripple effect. So what we're really doing in a big way is we're reducing the opportunity for human error by reducing the amount of time something has to be rewritten, right? So once something goes in and we have a a structured way for buyers to enter what they need versus them just sort of saying, I need 60 feet of this, we, we really make them kind of get specific and that helps downstream. So that's really the major way we facilitate. The other way we facilitate is that we have lots of sellers that have what a buyer needs. So just by bringing more options to the buyer, but that alone facilitates. And an interesting sort of thing to think about is we've heard comments that like, you're replacing a buyer or you're doing this. Like, no, somebody still has to make a decision. And that's where your experience comes in. I mean, a buyer's time, is it better spent sort of doing the busy work of just getting numbers to evaluate? Or is it better evaluating, is your time better spent evaluating what's the better buy? It's kind of like let prices do the busy work for you. Okay. So basically when that product stuff is done, they move on, a deal is struck. Okay. Talk about how you facilitate the financial transaction on the deal side. 
Yeah. So let me back up and say that historically or traditionally, every buyer and seller has a relationship. I think like bricks and mortar. So if there's a buyer that needs to buy something, they have to create an account with a vendor. So they've got to set up, okay, here's my sales tax exemption form. Here are all of our trade references. Here are our account numbers. So for every single seller you have as a buyer, you have this one-to-one relationship, which is an enormous amount of administrative work. The first thing that we're doing to help get that going is that you create one account and it applies to all sellers on Brizo. So it's a one-to-many relationship as far as just account creation. And it's detailed. It's exactly what companies need. And I know that because I worked at one. So that's the first thing we're doing to facilitate transactions. Secondly, Historically speaking, if that buyer wants to buy something, they're going to want to buy it using net terms. And what that means is I want to send you a purchase order to buy something today and you're going to ship it tomorrow. Okay, so I want 30 days from the ship date to pay that bill or maybe I want 60 days. So it's sort of like the original buy now, pay later. It's been happening forever. And so when sitting down to solve and create a real end to end solution, it was always known that we have to create a buy now, pay later solution. And this was solved before BNPL was a thing, right? If we had this up and running. And what we do is we very closely do the exact same steps, which is a buyer will apply for a line of credit. Okay. They'll get that line of credit. And here's the beauty. It applies to all sellers though, not just a one-to-one relationship. So the amount of the amount of possible places from which they could buy goes way up, which means their ability to get done what they need to get done goes way up. So a buyer can check out, and there are other methods of payment, which is like credit card, ACH, wire, all this stuff. But really, by and large, people are wanting to, to you know, imitate the traditional way of doing it. So anyway, you check out, and we have a whole document suite, which is we're putting purchase orders out on behalf of the buyer to the sellers and sales acknowledgements on behalf of the sellers to the buyers. And all those documentation steps along the way, whereby just eliminating possibility for transcription error. So when somebody checks out, the seller has 100% confidence that they're going to get paid and the buyer gets the net term. So we've completely allowed the seller to outsource any credit risk when it comes to selling their, their products. So bottom line is, is that you've mimicked a lot of the traditional existing ways of doing things where essentially they are not, um, you're not really scaring people or throwing a bunch of new tactics at them, but essentially you basically modeled the offline transaction world and the online transaction world, brought in greater efficiencies into it, consistencies of data. And at the same time, you know, the old net terms uh, issue, which is the buy now, pay later, uh, was pretty standard. Now you offer that. So that's offered primarily through the vendors. Do you offer another facility for those who, for those vendors who aren't willing to do that? And well, to the vendors, the buy now, they don't have, even have insight into how buyers mm. decided to pay for something. It's not relevant mm. because either way, regardless of the method of payment, the seller is getting paid. It's a non-issue to them. So at the, the end of the day, they're just saying, hey, I'm getting paid one way or another. You may be sitting in the middle replicating that entire experience, but they're not really, you know, like you said, they're not seeing it. And frankly, they don't have to, so they don't have to offer those terms themselves, which is also a reduction, huge reduction in, in working capital for them as well. Yes. It, for somebody who is really understanding this, they're outsourcing their credit risk. At no cost, by the way. So when you compare that to other solutions that are out there, let's take the idea of ensuring your receivables. You're like, well, I know what the delinquency rate is 
in our industry. It's relatively low because there's enough dependency that that seller, that buyer is ultimately going to come back in a year and be like, okay, I need to buy something. You can say, well, clear up your account. You can buy it. So they're like, well, then I'm not going to pay for, but I would like to have some protection. So they were truly outsourcing the risk. And the only risk that they have is them doing what they say they're going to do, which is that they say they're going to ship X, Y, and Z. That's what shows up. And we have a whole module that manages, it's it's almost escrow-ish that neutralizes the risk of the movement of goods and money. So there's it allows to reconcile in line versus what happens traditionally when you ship something and everybody who works at a, at a company that sells something's had this moment where you're like running back to the accounts payable saying, don't pay that invoice because we just, the tally came up slow from the yard, something got messed up. So that whole piece is eliminated. Like funds do not move until everyone's like, this looks good, but everyone has the security that the funds have been procured. So they yes, there's no question. Exactly. No, no question about, will these people pay the payment is there. So you've taken away, you so said you've taken away that credit risk entirely. They still need to basically have to have a working capital in place to deal with the need to provide terms. But at the same time, they're not wondering if this person is going to pay in 30 days and 60 days or 90 days. They know that the money's there. So it's almost as good as a cash sale to them. Just all they got to do is fulfill their end of the bargain. And once that is is validated and the buyer's got every incentive to do that because they've already paid for the equipment, for the, for the materials, uh, makes a lot of sense. So this seems like a pretty straightforward yet elegant and solution that solves a lot of kind of traditional hassle problems and moves this sleepy little industry into the sleepy little industry, <laughs> uh, sleepy industry into the modern age. Talk to me about where you see this going beyond just the steel side at this point. Well, here's what I'll say is that I think that other than like controlled substances or hazardous materials, uh, like energy-related steel is one of the most complicated things to trade online because it is so heavily like the spec requirements. Mm. And then there's also sort of this subjective piece of like, well, I said I wanted a new pipe and this has got a little bit of rust on it, or I wanted a new beam. So there's also sort of this subjective part too. So I think what Brizos has done is effectively proven and reproven the ability to move products that people didn't believe could probably be sold online. And my point in saying that is that if we can do that, I don't see anything stopping us from doing really any other product. I mean, I, I haven't found one that's more complicated that we're already successfully doing. So I, I don't see, and that's where we're going now with the release of our stores, which is we're intentionally going at a certain rate as far as rolling out new things. But what could... For instance, when our stores come out and we have this whole part number piece that we're addressing too, let's say a company somewhere that makes industrial washing machines, for instance, and they don't have a website and they're always getting dragged out on their terms by their buyers. They can create a website instantly at no cost on prizes, get all those bells and whistles and sell out to, it doesn't have to be steel, it could be their washing machines, but they could sell directly out to their buyers and they get the same payment security. But then they could turn around and source all everything they need to make their washing machines in prizes from that supply network, right? And so now what you're talking about is completely linear or tiered financing where it's kind of all in a row. And it goes all the way from the point at which it's made all the way to the point where that washing machine gets bolted into the floor and it's not moved for 50 years. So there's a lot of, it streamlines that whole process because as you start daisy chaining this, the materials needed to make something and daisy chain that to the ultimate end buyer, 
you have sort of this financial efficiency because when a company sells something to make it, they out of pocket have to turn around and buy the supplies to make it. So what we can do is kind of line all of that up. So you don't have the most complex business to talk about. So I don't have a lot of other features to get into. Sometimes we go, these things go along. Sometimes these things are very succinct. But the to wrap this up, I have the three questions I ask everybody on a positive note. And the first question I have for you is, what is the, if you had one wish for something you could change in your company, the industry as a whole, what would it be? I guess my, my wish would be for kind of the world to settle down a little bit. <laughs> I think that there are a lot of, just steel inflation a problem lately? <laughs> well, not only that, I, I, I just mean like in a general sense, I feel like people think there are a lot of trap doors right now around them. And I don't know, I don't know what's real and, and perhaps what's not, but I think that there's an overwhelming sense of caution right now. And I, I look forward for when things sort of settle down and people can sort of drop their shoulders and feel good about what they're doing every day. Second question for you is what's been the biggest challenging in the platform to where it is today? I think that finding the right people, partners to get involved mm -hmm. with this. I mean, this is a highly complex thing that we've made very simple. I mean, it's, it's like a lot of things. All you're trying to do is get something from point A to point B. And somebody's just trying to make like a distributors just trying to make a little money while they do that. So I think the hardest thing has really been finding the right partners to get involved because this whole thing, the linchpin for all of this is trust. And when you all you have is like a trapper keeper full of good ideas, some enthusiasm, it's still a little bit hard to find the right people to, to jump on board and say, you know what, you're not a complete idiot. Let's try this. <laughs> Fair enough. And the last question I have for you is what excites you the most about what is you're working on and keeps you getting up every morning to keep on fighting the good fight? That's a good question. I think that just a conviction, meaning that there's no way this doesn't happen. Meaning when I say this, I mean, there's no way industrial products are not bought and sold lock, stock and barrel online. And so with that conviction and every day that passes supports that conviction, more companies sign up, more transactions are happening. So you just, every day, like the spinnaker just fills up a little bit more, like the conviction spinnaker, you know? So just seeing people, and then when you see a transaction go through that would have never otherwise happened, because you know for a fact that buyer has no clue who that seller is. And the reason that was able to occur is because we removed all the financial risk. That's exciting. Well, like I said, pretty straightforward solution, but for a traditional, more traditional mainline business that frankly, you know, you nicely replicated the experience to solve for some problems and, and created a better widget, that's for sure. So uh, good on you. And I hope to see this expand. All right. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. So that was my interview with Chef Pickett of Brazos. I hope you enjoyed that. And if you are someone in the steel industry or know someone who's looking in that in working in the industry, then I suggest you take a look at this because frankly, uh, it sounds like a much easier and better way to facilitate your daily needs. As always, if you enjoy this podcast, please review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or visit your podcast. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.